And welcome to GameCast for April the 26th, 2022. I can't tell you about the weather in Atlanta because it is pitch black outside and I am recording the show early because I got somewhere I got to be. This show will absolutely beat the clock, but don't you worry. You will be up to speed on all the new information of the day. And there actually did a lot of information broke after yesterday's podcast, including Musk now owns Twitter. They're working out the details. We've already seen some good things happen there. I'm going to tell you about that. We're going to talk about uh, Mark Meadows' texts a little bit, a little bit of January 6th, some Obama, and just otherwise get you up to speed. Again, I likely will beat the clock just because I, I really have to be somewhere, but um, we shall see. If I have to go a little long, I'll go a little long. We'll see. I think I can do it, though, in, in around 20 minutes. So uh, let's start off with the one. Let's start off with the one. I mean, he, the Matt, well, I'm not going to use that term. I don't have time to explain it. But uh, Barack Obama's out there. You know, and every time I see Obama, that there's a lot of things that he makes me think about, uh, primarily how he infantilized politics. I mean, he literally just turned politics on its head. It really is sad because he had a lot of promise. It was one of those opportunities in history where somebody had a chance to make a difference. He made a difference, and we look back now, and he really, it was just awful. In fact, probably I know I can't get to it today, but I, I read a really good article over the weekend on Hillsdale. Now I'm going to have to read another book, which, you know, I'm, I can't read all the books I'm going to have to read before I die anyway, and there's just another one in the stack, but uh, probably cover it tomorrow or Thursday. But um, anyway, uh, Barack Obama's out there, <clears throat> but, you know, one of the things I say all the time about the left is, if you, if you are a thinker, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, you know, these people are no longer even able to just remotely hide the fraud because they contradict themselves, uh, you know, within a sentence, within a page, within a paragraph. Anyway, so I want you to listen to Barack Obama. He's out there talking about censorship. He wants more censorship, more regulation, as per usual. And he somehow says it's a good thing. But I want you to listen to this one part that's making its way around the interwebs. And I want you to think when you're listening to this, what's the little, what's the, what's the problem with this? What's the biggest problem with what he's saying here? Anyway, without further ado, listen to Barack Obama. For more and more of us, search and social media platforms aren't just our window into the internet. They serve as our primary source of news and information. No one tells us that the window is blurred, subject to unseen distortions and subtle manipulations. All we see is a constant feed of content where useful, factual information and happy diversions and cat videos <laughs> flow alongside lies, conspiracy theories, junk science, quackery, white supremacists, racist tracts, misogynist screeds, Anyway, um, I don't know if you caught it there, but 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 the leftist does this all the time now, and and and, and I really don't have time to get into it on today's show. Just it's not going to be enough time. But one of the reasons they do it is that they're so much in a bubble. They never have anybody like this podcast say, "Hey, Brock, you just said two phrases there or words, whatever you want to call them, that you know don't really don't need to be there, right?" And and they never hear that. And then they just all talk amongst themselves. And there's a there's a talent deficit. Now, Obama, he's not an example of the talent deficit. He's got some talent. He's not as talented as they make him out to be. But he's definitely got some talent. He's way better than Joe Biden. But you notice they still do it with Joe Biden. The, the, the two things he said there that were problematic, he said that the information is blurred and manipulated. Okay? So, uh, to me, 
if I were coming up and cross-examining this witness, I would literally go right to it. Because what, juries love it when you get right to it, right? Just come in there and say, uh, Mr. President, you just used the term blurred and manipulated. I did. Um, and you stand behind that statement. I do. And they say, well, if, the, if it can be blurred, right, or it can be manipulated by misogynist creeds and white supremacists, why can't it be blurred and manipulated by the government? Uh, we, uh, he's got no answer for that, right? The road goes both ways, right? Anyway, so I, I thought that was important. And, and so just before, I, I usually I thought this was going to be more like a demo show. And yeah, I don't I don't script this, folks. Today I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven words is going to produce about 20 minutes here on my little thing. And we are going to get the uh, Great American Mail YouTube page back up. I'm still working on getting that thing uncensored. Uh, but here's another one that's going on the uh, internet yesterday, which will give me a chance to talk about January 6th. So January 6th continues. Uh, in May, uh, uh, Jamie Raskin says they're going to start their quote-unquote hearings. Now, you got to understand, January 6th has been operating behind closed doors. They've been interviewing witnesses, going over all this information, right? And they've been doing this for about, I don't know, six months to a year. And the public isn't seeing it. And, I, I, you know, I, 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 sometimes it's just you don't know what you don't know. But I, I want you to understand in Watergate, they brought they had hearings and they brought the witnesses in and they asked them the questions and then the other side got to ask questions. Although there wasn't much of another other side in Watergate because even Republicans weren't really on Nixon's team there. But the point is that the public got to see it as it unfolded. That's the way you do it in America. Now I'm not going to say there wasn't some witness somewhere that might not have had some you know national security stuff that was really really important and so that person maybe didn't get sequestered. That may be possible, but but. In general, the information came. The fact that you've got a a Congress of the United States of America basically doing secret hearings should alarm you. It should alarm you every single solitary day. And I'm going to get to Mark Meadows' text in a minute. But one of the problems with it is, A, we're not all seeing it. So now, how do we know when they they finally start bringing people that they aren't cherry-picking stuff and reworking it, right? How do we know it's not blurred or manipulated, to use President Obama's words? We don't. We don't. We never can. They've ruined that. That's done. You can't trust anything that comes out of that committee because of the fact that it's been secretive. Americans used to understand that. Anyway, we're going to get to Mark Meadows' text, but before we get there, I want you to understand how bad these people are, even when they've got time. Now, admittedly, they did this on about, oh, I don't know, 72 hours. So Marjorie Taylor Greene had to testify this past Friday about her access to the ballot. I'm going to talk about that. I've written about it on Substack, greatamericanmail.substack.com. If you want to go there, you can pull the article. I've got it. Here it is in my hands right now, and I'm going to talk about it in a second because there's a couple of important things there. But <clears throat> after Mark Meadows' text broke yesterday, there were a lot between Meadows and MTG. And here's the one that they jumped on. Okay, and I'm going to let you listen to the question from Marjorie Taylor Greene during her hearing on Friday, right? And then we're going to read the text, okay? And you're going to see if this is impeachable. I don't think it is, but I'll let you be the judge. Here it is right here. Here's Marjorie Taylor Greene testifying last Friday. You're not denying you did it. You just don't remember. I don't remember. Did you advocate to President Trump to impose martial law as a way to remain in power? I don't recall. So you're not denying you did it. You just don't remember. I don't remember. Did you advocate to President Trump to impose martial law as a way to remain in power? I don't recall. So you're not denying you did it. You just don't remember. I don't remember. So anyway, um, she basically says she doesn't remember. I played that several times. It's a very, very small bit. 
Um, but I, I wanted you to make sure you heard the whole question and the answer. So did you advocate martial law to Trump? I don't remember. So you're not saying you didn't do it. I, I don't remember. Okay. Now, immediately when the text came out, here's the text. Text from Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene to Mark Meadows on January 17th, 2021. In our private chat with only members, several are saying only way to save our republic is for Trump to call for martial law. Now, did you advocate to President Trump? She could have, if she remembered, and again, folks, I'm going to admit to you, I, I think she does remember. I, I, I do think that, that that is, I'm not going to go so far as to say it's perjury, but um, and, and let me explain to you why I don't think it's perjury, because this is a little bit of inside baseball stuff here. When I first started practicing law about 25 years ago, people were a lot more honest. You know, I, 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 I don't, in the age of COVID, you don't interview people a lot or depose them anymore much. But nowadays, you can literally be like, where do you live? Um, what do you mean by that? I mean, what's your address? When you say address, I mean, I'm not kidding, folks. It really gets it gets to be a pain in the butt when you're dealing with people. So she probably was so prepared up the wazoo, she was probably told, if you don't recall specifically, let him narrow it down. And so he could have said, okay, well, what I'm talking about is a phone call on, right? And so it could have been that, so it may not have been perjury. But I, in general, I don't think you throw around the term martial law a lot. So to me, when she says, I don't recall, she... She's not entirely being honest, but again, this lawyer doesn't do a very good job of drilling down. Let's set that aside. In fact, both lawyers were very, very average or below uh, on Friday. But, but anyway, getting back to the point here. So she was asked, did she advocate to Trump? So had she remembered, and again, I'm going to read her text again. In our private chat with only members, several are saying the only way to save our republic is for Trump to call for martial law. Now, if you ask me to advocate to Trump, the simple answer is No. And it's called the funnel method. So he started at the bottom of the funnel. He should have started at the top. Did you ever discuss martial law in or around the time of January 6th? See, that's very broad. Then she says, well, yes. Explain to me all the times that you discuss martial law, right? Then you go, okay, well, we, we did it with only members. What were the only members saying? Well, they were saying, right, that's how you get that out. Anyway, but the internet, and this is from Brian Tyler Cohn. He's got like a million followers on Twitter. He's a big lefty. And again, they're basically saying, oh, it's boom. She's lying. And they don't have her. They don't have her at all. And again, anybody with, a, with thinking can see that. So let's get to Mark Meadows' text real quick. Then I'm going to get to January 6th. Uh, and then a couple things about Elon Musk here. So um, Mark Meadows' texts have been released. Now, we, we talked about this before on the show. I don't know if you recall this. But they, you know, the January 6th committee started out, a lot of us were very skeptical because they, Congress is limited to having hearings that are nece- necessary to have legislation passed. It's clear that they're not even trying to do any legislation. In fact, every time I go to the gym, not every time, but you know, every third time I go to the gym, one of these morons comes on a television and goes, yeah, we're going to have a lot for a criminal referral. That's not really your job at all. And it, that should really be an admission that could cause the committee to be disbanded. But, of course, we don't have journalism anymore. So they, they, they now feel free to say that. So they have no proper purpose. Well, anybody that is paying attention and is remotely fair, and unfortunately the left is not remotely fair, knows that they're, not, that they're just full of it now because they are subpoenaing everybody. I mean, they're subpoenaing Trump's daughter. They're subpoenaing all these people, people that just organized the rally, the people that don't have any connection at all to January 6th, the rally, or the Electoral Count Act, uh, Green Bay sweep they were going to try to do on January 6th, right? They, they just really, and then the other problem they, that they have, for those of us that are, you know, that love the Constitution and care about the law, and both are implicated here, is that they're rough riding over the rule of law to get there. 
So we all know the idea. It's called a fishing expedition at the law. You basically ask for everything under the sun, and if you got enough money, you comb through it, and sooner or later you find a text where Marjorie Taylor Greene is cheating on her husband. And that's got nothing to do with anything you're investigating, but it's, it's awful good for smear. So that's a lot of what's going on out there is they're trying to get a bunch of texts and figure out how they can smear people. I've already pointed out that one of the texts came out, doesn't actually smear, but again, they don't care about the truth, folks. Left Truth is not a left-wing value. Simple as that. It's Dennis Prager, not me, but anyway. So, so the idea is they're just looking to smear somebody. Well, the other problem with Mark Meadows' texts, there's a bunch of problems. The other problem is there's something called executive privilege. Now, Mark Meadows, at the time this was going on, was the chief of staff to the president of the United States. If you don't understand that that is executive privilege that has been protected for hundreds upon hundreds of years, then you just don't respect the Constitution or the rule of law. Right, and there's there, there there are certain exceptions to that privilege, but they're not implicated here. When a you don't have a legislative purpose, b there's not even been an indictment. Let's assume for the sake of the argument they have the power to investigate crimes, which they don't. They haven't indicted anybody. You don't get to investigate and get all this stuff until you actually have some sort of you know at least process for indicting somebody. But the bigger problem among all of this stuff, all right, is that. The January 6th committee got the stuff, and they got it about, uh, I think the courts finally ruled, I don't know, a couple of months ago, that he had to turn it over, and eventually he did. And they promptly leaked it to CNN, which is a felony, okay? There are only so many people on that committee. I think it's about 12. And and I don't know how many people on their staff they have. Uh, Do you see anybody even mentioning? Did you you see anywhere? And again, the text just blew. Let's see, I, I dropped the podcast yesterday at about, I don't know, uh, noon, and so the, the text probably were out about one or two o'clock. Nobody has even mentioned the idea that what they're doing is absolutely illegal. So uh, a couple more things here. Let's get to January 6th. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, bring you up to speed on this ballot stuff. So we've talked about it before, so I'm only going to add a couple of things that you don't already know. You already know about the 14th Amendment. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment Turns out, after the Civil War, <laughs> the, the Republicans were really ticked off to, you know, go in there, be sworn in uh, early January, and, and look over to your right and look over to your left and see a bunch of Confederates there. They, they, they didn't really care for that. So when they got the 14th Amendment passed, they threw in Section 3 and said, hey, look, if you'd sworn an oath to the Constitution and then you'd engage in a rebellion, well, you, you're basically, you're, you can't run for office, Okay. But there was one other critical part of that uh, Section 3. It says, but Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. So uh, shortly after the Civil War, this passes. And there were, there were several people that had, obviously had been in the Civil War that were prominent politicians. And the Grant administration, he was the president at the time, was out trying to prosecute these people, keep them off the ballot, et cetera, et cetera. In or around 1872, largely as a, you know, a, you know a, to reconcile the country, Congress, and a Republican Congress, by the way, went ahead and did what they could do based on the last sentence of Section 3, and it took two-thirds, folks. you got to have a lot you got to have a lot of Republicans and what few Democrats there were back then that were actually in Congress to do this. They basically passed the um, Amnesty Act of 1872 and basically said everyone except members of the 36th, 37th Congress and people that had been in the federal government since the amendment had been passed, not y'all, but everybody else, we removed the disability based on Section 3. Then, okay, about 16 years later in 1898, they finally removed the disability even for those people. 
even for the people that had been in the 36th, 37th Congress or serving in the federal government at the time, right? And so I hadn't covered those parts of the story in prior research on the topic, frankly, because they just hadn't been come up, they hadn't come up and I wasn't really uh, keenly as aware of them. So if you want to go check out the article, there's a new one on the Substack page, you can do that. So here's this all comes back to now. So there's a couple problems with these lawsuits trying to keep MTG, Paul Gosar, Matt Gates, and others off the ballot. Okay, the first problem is those two acts I just told you about. Congress went ahead and did what it had the power to do and remove the disability. Okay, and Cawthorn was able to get the court to buy it. MTG was not able to get the court to buy it in her case. Well, here's the other problem, and I really, I talk about it not as much. I probably should have talked about it a little more in the article, but I really needed to get it to the press, was um, the idea that nowhere in Section 3 is there any legislation. Nowhere there has Congress passed any legislation to make it self-executing. And it's not self-executing. So in other words, there's no private cause of action, first and foremost. Secondly, setting aside the fact that there's no legislation and it's not self-executing, what the people on Taylor Greene's case are doing is they're saying it's part of a qualification for Congress. And there's a whole statute, the Constitution, not the statute, I spoke, misspoke. There's a whole... Uh, there's a whole uh, litany of things in the Constitution that talk about the fact that for Congress, Congress is the one who decides who is eligible for Congress. So the idea that some bureaucrat in Georgia can decide that you can be eligible to be on the ballot for Congress in the same way that they can check to see that you're an American citizen or in the same way that they can check your age is kind of nonsensical. But anyway, that's what's going on. So we shall see what happens to Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's a little bit of an update on the text and January 6th. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about was Elon Musk and one other topic that's related to that, and that's hate speech. So uh, Musk basically has finalized the deal. He is on his way to owning Twitter. Now, I said yesterday that's going to be a good thing. Uh, three reasons why it's going to be a good thing is, one, he's already said a bunch of things about free speech, and if you if he follows through with what he says, that's going to be a good thing. Now, because uh, you know, free speech is, is a good idea. I don't think I need to cover that with this crowd for sure. But setting that aside, right? Even if he doesn't follow through with what he says, it'll be better for this reason. Elon Musk is a confident, self reliant person. All right, and that is a change for big tech. And it's really a change for big business these days. A lot of these people that are running these companies, and it's sad to see it, but it is true. A lot of these people are small-minded people. They just are. And they're not self-reliant. And they're not self-confident. And so it bothers them when people do or say things that they don't like. If you have a self-confident person like Elon Musk, he, he, he's not, you know, setting aside his usual free speech, he's not going to be inclined to try to, you know, make you do what he wants you to do or, or police what you do. Because he's confident what he does. He's like, hey, you do your thing. It's not mine. But that's okay. All right. The third reason it's good is that Elon Musk is a capitalist, right? And what a lot of people don't understand about the American system, the reason we chose capitalism as our economic system is because it is the most compatible with freedom, right? Listen, there are a few things that we're going to control with the government. Other than that, let the market sort, sort, sort it out, right? Let the market sort it out. I'm not going to bother with it, right? The government could sit out there and say, you get free this, you get free that, you got to pay for this, you got to pay for that, or you can let the market do it. And that's basically what the market does, is it basically lets people decide what they want to do. And unfortunately for Twitter, and I don't understand this, but you know, there's been a lot since it's been announced, and a lot of, a lot of people, the, the left, they have just absolutely losing their minds. A bunch of them are saying that um, 
you know, they're leaving Twitter. In fact, I saw this morning when I was uh, writing out what I was going to talk about this morning, <laughs> this is a bunch of people on Twitter left us going, oh my God, I've lost 2,000 followers, or oh my God, I've lost this. Now, again, a little bit of Scheidenfreude, uh, you know, or Scheidenfreude, I'm not sure, I'm, I don't speak German. But anyway, you know, a little bit of that, because honestly, you know, whenever we would complain about it, people like Jake Tapper would go, I don't know how many people I've lost because I'm an adult. I'm an adult. I don't know how many people, which I knew was a lie to begin with. But they don't like it when it happens to them. So, I, and again, I, I, as you know, generally, I'm, I'm not one of those two. So, I, I, they shouldn't be losing followers, and I, and I feel for them if they are. But one of the interesting, other interesting things that people have been tweeting about, this is what, why the, the internet, if it is allowed to do its function, is a great thing. A lot of people were talking about the number of people that have been banned. And it is astounding how many people. The Babylon Bee, President Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, people know about those. But Carpe Dunctum, I'd forgot about the fact that Carpe Dunctum is gone. You know, and they were a lot of feeds that I used to follow that were very, very entertaining and illuminating, and they've been gone for no reason. And in all likelihood, will be able to come back because Twitter will now actually follow the rules. So anyway, we shall see how that unfolds. But one last topic I wanted to cover because I saw this article in the Daily Mail, UK Daily Mail, and you can always you know, count on these people to just... Um, you know, uh, basically just gaslight people and demagogue. But anyway, so the headline, human rights groups raise fears over, quote, hate speech, unquote, after Elon Musk's $44 billion Twitter takeover as self-described, quote, free speech absolutist vows no moderation to stop banning users. Now, um, folks, that's not what Musk said. And I, I'm not going to get in here the new term free speech absolutist. This is what the left does. Uh, you know, Dave Chappelle said it best, that they make up words to win arguments, right? There's no such thing as free speech absolutism. You either believe in free speech or you don't. And I've been studying free speech since the 90s, right? At, at, at the college level and then, and then the law school level. So, and then in practice, all right? And so that, that's just the way it works. You, there, some people don't believe in free speech, folks. Basically, the rest of the world. The United States is the beacon for freedom. And we're fastly not becoming that, but we used to be. So free speech is you basically get to say whatever you want to say with a few limitations. Let me give you some of the few limitations that the Supreme Court has determined is permissible under the First Amendment, okay? Obscenity, which good luck if you know what that is. Fraud, child pornography, used to be pornography, now it's child pornography. The speaking torch, you do not have a right to defame somebody. Incitement, time, place, and manner, right? And then some, some people talk about the intellectual property. To me, that's just the same thing as the speaking torts, but whatever. So that's it. So you got to understand, unless it's those categories, unless it's child pornography, right? Unless you're defaming somebody, unless you're inciting violence, unless it's time, place, and manner, right? Then you can't touch it. Now, did, did you hear me say in there anything about hate speech? Did you hear that? Okay, no, I, that was from a legal textbook, basically, by the way. That, that's the introductory paragraph that talks about those are the limitations, and then basically you spend a whole semester about on what how those limitations, because the limitations themselves are complicated, and figured out what they are. But that's it. That's all that in all likelihood is going to happen at Twitter. But see, what is bothering them is what you heard Barack Obama, and that's why I started the show with Barack Obama. But what they're, what they're worried about is now all of a sudden, right, there might be blurring and manipulation on our side. Oh, no, sorry. I misspoke. No, I didn't misspeak. I spoke properly. That's what I meant to say. I'm just joking. 
They're not worried about that at all. They know darn well we're not going to do that. They know darn well we're not going to do it. What they're worried about is that at least as to Twitter, they're not going to be able to blur it. They're not going to be able to manipulate it anymore. That's all that's going on here. That's it. That's all. It's sad. It really is. They are just mad that they can't blur things and manipulate and try to get you to put something in your body that doesn't work. I mean, that, that's literally is, is, is all there is to it that's going on there. So anyway, um, you are basically now all caught up on all the news of the day. Uh, I, I, it took me only 24 minutes. And uh, folks, just so uh, for the crowd that um, I feel cheated, I'll get, I'm sure I'll hear. Um, you're not cheated. You're all caught up on the news of the day, I promise you. This show would have been the typical 40 minutes or over. The main difference would have been uh, I would have I would have broadened these topics with uh, bits from the internet. And I've noticed since I started doing the program, the biggest difference between the demos and today, what you heard was basically a demo that I would do that only certain people heard before I went uh, you know, public. And the is is basically the bites where I play things from other people and bring it in. But all the basic points and all the basic news that that was it. That would have been the entire show. So anyway, um, I got to go run and do this other thing. If you like the show, uh, tell a friend. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a review. That will help us greatly. Um, if you want to email me, publius at gamcast.net. You want to follow me on Twitter at mail underscore American. And if you like the show, I uh, hope you tune back in tomorrow. <laughs>